Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen, amen. Isn't that a good word? Uh, that sometimes God just needs us to do the simple so that he can do the spectacular. And the simple thing is, is just to obey. Whatever God is leading you to do, do it. And at the end of doing it, that's when we see miracles. Uh, so we're super excited to have you guys here at Word of Life. I'm so thankful for our Lakeland campus. And all of us at the Lakeland campus, we would love to give it up for our Highland Colony campus across town. We love you guys. I know you guys had great praise and worship. I was there for the first service. Man, it was so good. And we had a good time over here at Lakeland as well. We love you. And I know each one of our physical campuses would love to give it up for our online campus. People watching all over the world. We love you guys as well. And we're honored that you would take the time to tune in. And hopefully, we'll get a chance to see you real soon. Next year, we'll be on Fox every Sunday uh, at 10 a.m. And so we're excited about that. God's adding campuses to us, and we're going to end this year with some fun announcements as well. God is moving on behalf of Word of Life Church. Uh, open up your Bibles if you brought them to the, today to the book of Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 12 through 14. While you're turning, uh, I just want to say thank you for everyone's radical generosity. Uh, the liberality of people's giving at Word of Life Um, never ceases to amaze me. Uh, We do not believe in manipulation in any shape, form, or fashion or pulling heartstrings to get people to give. We teach the word and present opportunities, but it, it just amazes me how faithful each and every one of you are to take those opportunities and to give uh, with faith and simplicity. It's, a, it's really a beautiful thing, uh, and that enables us to do some really neat things, and we'll talk about some of those things as we end this year. But one of the things that I got to do last week uh, was I was speaking at a, a local Spanish church. Uh, so um, we had great services without me, Pastor Luke uh, and Pastor Hillary at our Lakeland campus just crushed it uh, last week, and then Pastor Ryan at our Highland Colony campus did such a good job, so I don't like it when you guys have that much fun without me. It's just not fair. It's just, it makes me a little jealous, uh, but I was not off. I was actually preaching right here in Richland at a Spanish church that I got connected with really supernaturally last year. I kept driving by an Argentinian bakery, and the Lord just said, go in there and bless and I kept putting it off, and finally, I just found myself in there and uh, ate some empadas and (laughs) just wonderful treats, uh, but just uh, paid them far much more than what the food was worth and just said, I felt like God wanted me to bless them, welcome them to the community, and, you know, those types of things. It was just kind of a God moment. They said they actually went to the Spanish church and that the pastor's daughter owned a monogram shop right next to the Argentinian bakery, and I said, well, give her my contact information and tell her dad to give me a call. Well, there was a language barrier there, so it took, a, it took us a while to kind of connect. But through connecting, the Lord led us last year to pay off most of their debt as a church for us to just come in. Hey, man, come on, somebody. Uh, and we want to do that for a lot of churches uh, in the Jackson metro area as well uh, to just come in and assist them financially. How many of you know the kingdom of God has no competition? 
Um, and out of that, we're not in competition with any church. We want to see every church grow and expand and do what God's called them to do. So anyway, um, they kept asking me to come preach, and I finally just said yes and said, I'll do it this, this past Sunday. And I went in, and I just loved it. I mean, I, I loved it uh, because it reminded me of going on the missions trips. And with COVID, you know, I go on two to three mission trips every year, but COVID kind of slowed my role on, on that of going out to the mission field. Um, but it just reminded me of that to hear other nations worship the Lord Jesus. How many of you know the kingdom of God is all over the world? Every nation, every tongue. And that's one of my favorite things about missions trips is you go and you hear other nations singing unto the Lord in their language. And anyways, I'm just, you know, crying and just enjoying the presence of the Lord. And the Lord speaks to my heart and he says, I want you to give this church a check for all of its employees that they could have Christmas bonuses uh, this year. And so I said, okay, we can do that. So I sent the check this week and the pastor texts me and he's like, what was the check for? He's like, dear brother, thank you so much. Like, what was the check for? Uh, and I told him, I'm like, it's so that you and your employees can have Christmas bonuses and, and you know, can just have a very Merry Christmas. And we just want to be generous to you and, and help you in this season. And, and uh, so I see the bubbles and then they kind of go down and I see the bubbles. So I know he's texting, but I haven't gotten the text yet. Have you ever had that happen before? It's like, I know you see it. I can see the bubbles. I know you read it. Respond. Uh, so anyway, I see the bubbles, and so he's typing. And then finally, like four crying emojis come up. And he said, this year, me and my wife made a decision to go into ministry full time and pastor the church. And he said, our incomes have been down 40%, uh, personal incomes. And he said, that week, I had just been praying, and I told the Lord, like, I want to make Christmas special for my family, and I don't in the natural have resources for that. Um, and so he said, you'll never know what this means, that God heard my prayer. Oh, come on, church. How many of you know God hears your prayers? Uh, and so the richness of your liberality towards us enables us to send that liberality towards others, and that's our goal. We want to be strong, a strong church that we can come in and bear burdens all over the world um, and be great stewards of what God trusts and trusts into our care uh, and so I just want to celebrate that. And then as you heard last week for Hope of the Holidays, we want to do that in our own church family. We'd like to adopt 75 families and make sure uh, that uh, you have a great Christmas. Uh, and then outside in the community, we'd like to adopt 25 families um, and make sure they have great Christmases. And then we always partner with, you know, other Salvation Armies and things like that to get even more families in the community. Uh, but um, out of that, thank you so much for everyone who's already participating at all of our campuses, online, Highland Colony here at Lakeland, uh, participating in those things, uh, in bringing gifts for Hope for the Holidays or designating funds for Hope of the Holidays where we can go get the gifts. That's what it's going towards. It's going towards families so that um, our families here at Word of Life and in the, the community can have a great Christmas in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Uh, so thank you for your radical generosity. Uh, I had uh, something in my heart that just I couldn't get rid of this week. And it has a lot to do with happiness uh, and I think why a lot of people are not happy. Uh, but this is not just talking about happiness in, in this life, uh, but also happiness in the next. Uh, and so let's just dive into it today. Open up your Bibles with me. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to read verse number 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. If you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. 
It'll be on the screen right next to me. Uh, Paul is writing here, and he says, not as though I had already attained, either were I already made perfect, but I follow after, now notice this next phrase, if that I might apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. We'll come back to that. He said, brethren, um, I count not myself to have apprehended. I, I, I will not say that I've gotten everything that I was gotten for. We'll come back to that. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, my failures, my victories, Notice he said, this one thing I do. When scripture uses terminology like that, how many of you think it'd be wise for you to do this one thing too? He said, I make sure to do this one thing. Forget those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are before. Notice verse 14. I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. There's a high calling for you. In Jesus. And when you reach it at the end of your life, in the next life, there is a prize. You don't get the prize for the race until you're done running it. Uh, And God is a rewarder, He rewards you in this life, but there are rewards in the next as well. Uh, Go up and let's look at it together to verse number 12 on the screens. Not as though I had already attained. Uh, are there either already were made perfect, but I follow after, now notice, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So notice, Christ Jesus has apprehended you. How many of you know, for some of us, that was easier than others? For the Lord to apprehend us, uh, that he will send services and preachers and praying grandmothers and wives and all these types of things to come into our lives and apprehend us, to love on us. God wants to love you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to know you. God wants to be intimate with you. He doesn't want to be just Jehovah uh, and unknown. He wants to be Father. So he fights for your apprehension. For some of you, he's fighting for your apprehension. Uh, He would do anything to have you. And him sending his son was proof of that. Anything, anything to have you. You imperfect, Paul said, I haven't even been made perfect yet. And this guy wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. He's not contending for you because you're perfect. He contends for you because he loves you. But he said, when he apprehends you, and this is, by the way, our goal, if you came in here or to watch online or at Highland Colony, if you came in these facilities or our our portal through the internet, um, we're fighting for your apprehension that God wants to know you. But he's not just apprehending you to just love on you. He's trying to apprehend you because there are things you were apprehended for. He's capturing you because there are things you are to capture for him. And notice what Paul says next uh, in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He's saying, I'm not done. 
I know that in life, I have not apprehended everything I was apprehended for. Have you? Have you apprehended everything you were apprehended for? He said, there are things I'm supposed to bring into the kingdom of God. As God brought me into his kingdom, I am to bring these things, I am to bring these people, I am to bring these things into his kingdom. I was apprehended, not just so he could love me, but there were things I am to apprehend for him. He keeps going and he says, so I I do something, I forget all the other things I have apprehended. I leave those things behind, my past victories, my failures. I let go of the past. How many of you know you have to let go of the past? It's a new season. It is a new season. It may be night, but it's not the same night. I'm telling you, I was praying this the other morning, and the Lord came on me just prophetically. And he said this, and pardon me if this sounds weird. When I say prophetically, don't get weird. That's just when you stop talking and God starts talking, that it may look like the same night. How many of you know when a new day starts, it doesn't start with light? Oh, come on, church. When a new day starts, it doesn't start with light. It's the same night. It looks like the same night, but it's not. Uh, light is dawning. It's a new day. It's a new day for the church. It's a new day for the world. It's a new day for you. It's a new day for your family. And you may be in the middle of the same mess, but it's not the same day. It's a new day, and light is about to spring forth. God works in darkness. Uh, And so out of that, he says, I'm not looking back anymore. I know it's a new day. The old has passed away. I'm letting it go. And he said, I'm doing something else. I'm reaching for those things that I'm supposed to bring into God's kingdom. He said, it's my high calling in Christ Jesus. And he said, at the end of bringing it forth, I'll get a prize. And you know what? So will you. My whole message changed this week. Have you ever had God disrupt your plans? Uh, if you're living right, it happens a lot. God, you make plans. Many are the plans, the Bible says, in a man's heart. Uh, so we make plans all the time, uh, but God comes and disrupts them with a better one. Uh, and I had lunch this past week, and this guy I had lunch with told this story. He said, this whole week I've been thinking about this missionary, and he named the missionary, I knew him, uh, this missionary and uh, a vision that he had. And he told the story, and I already knew it. I'd heard it several times. Um, And so it's a story that I knew, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit captured this story for me. Uh, When the anointing is on something, it doesn't make, uh, a lot of times people are thinking it makes a physical change. It can, uh, but the anointing has stickability to it. It's just, when, when God's dealing with your heart about a story, you can't shake it. A person, you can't shake it. My wife, we were talking today, this morning, she said, this person's just been on my heart. Well, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit trying to arrest you, to apprehend something. You've been apprehended for something. Uh, And the Holy Spirit will bring those to your attention, to bring those things into the kingdom, in line with the king's will. And so out of that, 
um, I just, I couldn't shake this story. And so I knew it was the Lord trying to get my attention on it. So I knew the, 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 the missionary, and so I just called him. He didn't pick up, so I left a voicemail. I'm like, hey, could you call me? I said, I have a quick question I want to ask you. So he texted me, said, I'm in a meeting, got your voicemail. Uh, and he said, can I call you at 1.30? I'm like, that's fine. 1.30 to 2, wide open. Uh, so he called. And I said, I, I don't want to waste your time, but I said, I, uh, I want you to tell me this story. I said, I can't shake it. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Uh, and uh, so he, to- he, he told me, he said, now, when I tell this story, he said, almost every time I tear up uh, because it was just one of those moments where God became very real. I pray God becomes very real to you, that all this becomes just very real to you, that it's not just a Sunday morning kind of cute show and, you know, fun people and coffee. Thank God for coffee. Um, but I pray it's more than that. I pray deep calls unto deep. And so out of that, um, he said, I just, every time I tell the story, I get emotional because God became very real to me in this moment. So I'll tell you the story. Uh, this guy uh, started fellowshipping with the Lord and gave his life to, to God at, a, a, at his late teenage years. And I took a mission trip to India. And it was an extended trip. It was like six to eight weeks. And he was there and loved it. I love India. I've been multiple times. Uh, but India is, it's a completely different culture. I mean, it is completely different. Um, it's sensory overload. Everything is brighter. Everything is tastier. Like, it's more colorful. Uh, it's sensory overload. Uh, and so out of that, especially from a Western world, when you come into some of these, these places, and it's the same when they come here, it's sensory overload for entirely different reasons. Uh, but you come in, and it, you're, you're always on, so you're always being taxed. You may not know it. So he loved it, but when he came home, he's like, that was good, but, you know, that's what it was. It was good, but I'm glad to be home. And the Lord started to deal with his heart that he was supposed to, to go plant uh, a work in India, that this was not just something he was supposed to visit, but something he was supposed to do. Um, and so he began to argue with that. Now, this will always happen when you begin to live for the Lord. When you got born again, the Bible said that a heart of stone got taken out of you and a heart of flesh got put in. What that just simply means is, is your spirit's now alive unto God. God can speak to it, deal with it, prick it. And when that happens, your flesh will go to war with your spirit. Uh, your spirit will want to do something, but your flesh will fight you on it. Your spirit will want to forgive, but your flesh will want to hold a grudge. Uh, your spirit will want to fast and pray. Your flesh will want to look at Instagram and, you know, watch another Netflix show. Uh, the spirit goes to war with the flesh, which is why Paul wrote things like, I die daily. Because uh, how many of you know, it's never a battle you completely win in this earth. It's like every day you have to put the flesh under. So this happens with, you know, Netflix and forgiveness, but also the plan of God. Because to obey the plan of God for your life, rest assured, it will always require sacrifice. There is no worship without sacrifice. If you love the Lord, you'll sacrifice for him, which means you'll do something your flesh does not want to do. And you'll offer your body as a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then you'll be able to prove out what is the perfect, acceptable, and good will of God for your life. And not until you do. You'll never get into the will of God until you sacrifice something in the flesh for something in your spirit. 
So he's got this, this, this war on the inside, a war of the spirit versus the flesh. Jesus had it in him at the Garden of the Gethsemane. Paul wrote about it in the Romans chapter 6. He's like, the thing that I know to do, I find myself not doing, the war between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, and so out of this, uh, he just began to pray. And he said there was one particular night for six hours. He said, I just prayed, having this, this kind of wrestle with the Lord. And telling him, like, I'll go to India, but, you know, I don't want to live there. And, you know, I want to be an evangelist and travel all over the states and preach and teach and, you know, all those kinds of things. And then I'll go to India and go to other nations and just giving the Lord his plan, his ideas for what he will do with his life. Uh, And that is so unscriptural. Um, Planning is not planning, it's discovery. We don't get to pick what we want to do with our lives. We discover what we were sent here for. You're not an accident. You were built by an architect for something specific. And this is why so many people are unhappy, because they're working on things they weren't designed to work on. So out of that, he begins to to wrestle with the Lord uh, on these things, And, you know, God's dealing with him in prayer, but he makes up his mind, like, this is what I'll do. And he's praying about it, and he's talking to the Lord about it, and he goes to sleep. When he goes to sleep, he's caught up in the heaven. Now, I know this is like, woo, deep stuff. So if this is your first time in a church in a long time, welcome to the deep end of the pool. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, Don't worry, we got lifeguards on standby, and I'll toss you a floaty every once in a while. But today, we're going to learn how to swim. Uh, So out of this, uh, uh, he's having a vision. And he's caught up into heaven. I've never had anything like this happen, but we see it in the New Testament, so it's possible. And the emotion with which he was talking about, and every time I've heard him talk about it, I believe he's not lying. And he said, I I got to heaven, and he said, I saw millions of people all around me, every different nationality, tongue. Uh, This is why I love our church so much, and I want it to be even more diverse. I want to see more Spanish-speaking people here and, uh, you know, just nations represented in this ministry and to get it as much like heaven as possible. And he said, I I walked around and, you know, all all these people. And he said, I looked out in front of me about two miles, and there was an exalted place. He said, it went up to about 150 to 200 feet high, and on top of it was a throne, and there sat the Lord. He said on either side of him were angels. He said, I've never seen angels like this. He said they were just slender, long mouths, just just huge but slender, standing on either side of the throne of God. And he said they opened up their mouths and they would call out a name. After they called out the name, they would say, step forward. And they'd step forward, the person would, and they'd be caught up before the throne of God. And when they were caught up, the angel would speak and say, give an account for what you did in your body, for the deeds done in it. And they would. Well, this goes on. One after one, name called, someone steps forward, standing before the throne, each one giving an account. And finally, the the, the angel spoke out like the PA system of heaven, said, missionary evangelist, Kevin Cooley, step forward. Give an account for your life. Kevin heard that, and he said, well, I'm an evangelist, but I'm not a missionary. Like, that's not what I'm supposed to be. So there must be somebody else here named Kevin Cooley. 
It's like, isn't that funny? There's another Kevin Cooley somewhere out there in the world. So he didn't step forward. The angel opened up his mouth again and said, missionary evangelist to India, Kevin Cooley, step forward. Give an account of your life before God. He said when he said it the second time, he's like, it was like uh, I could be seen straight through. He said, everyone around me could see my calling. See, the more you walk with God, the flesh disappears. Now, it won't fully disappear until the next life. But in this life, the more you crucify your flesh, the more spiritual things become real to you, and you can begin seeing things in people. You can see calls. You can see what they were born for. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Jesus said, it, not I, because you'll live forever. It is finished. Paul said, I'm running my race. He exhorted us to run the race that was set before us. You don't get to pick your race. That's a lie. You don't get to pick your race. You got a race set before you. And you can pick whether or not to get on it or off of it, but like Paul, as long as you're off of it, they'll always be kicking against the pricks. Something on the inside that's unhappy, and this is why so many people are, because most people live and die and never get into the high calling of Jesus. You get in that high calling, there's satisfaction. There's joy. There's a contentment that the world can't buy you. There's no Mercedes on earth that will give you that. That's the truth. You get in the high calling. When your flesh is at peace with your spirit, when the behind scenes you lines up with the front stage you, there's peace, joy. Uh, So everyone could see it. Everyone around him could see his calling. He's like, no, not me. There must be somebody else here named Kevin Cooley. I'm an evangelist, but I'm not a missionary evangelist to India. So he said, after he said that, the angel stooped down. And he said, got within about 10 feet of my face. His face was so much bigger than mine, 10 feet in front of my face. And said, missionary evangelist to India, Kevin Cooley, step forward. Give an account for your life and the blood of millions that is on your hands because you did not go to India. Immediately he woke up, heart racing, sweating. Then he went to India. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Then he went to India. Uh, And uh, since then we've helped him do a lot there. In fact, in March next year we'll go dedicate a building that our church built. Uh, to train up uh, Bible school graduates. Amen. Uh, So, did you know? Many don't. Do you? Did you know you're going to have that moment too? That's not just reserved for Kevin. One day, you'll slip out of this body through the rapture, through death, and you'll stand before the Lord. And everything that was the high calling will remain forever. Everything that was not, you'll watch it burn. 
Go over to the book of 2 Corinthians. I'll show you scripture for it. Don't just believe a preacher. Let scripture uh, reveal it to you. We're going to look at a lot of scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 1 and read all the way to verse 11. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. I'll explain it as we go for clarity. He said, for we know that if our earthly house, what is that? That's your body. You're looking at me with two windows you call eyes. That's not you, though. This is not me. If you've ever been to a funeral, I've been to many of them, pastor for 19 years. You see someone, and you, you can walk by them and see that's not them. And it's true, it's not. That was the house they lived in. It decays, just like your natural house. needs maintenance. You live in a house long enough, you got to fix some things. You live in this house long enough, you got to maintain it. It gets old. The Lord can renew it, but it'll fade. And he says this, you've got an outward house, an earthly house of this tabernacle, it'll be dissolved. But we have a building of God. This is your spirit. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our heavenly house, which is in heaven. He said, your heart has eternity in it. It knows a day is coming. And a day will last forever. Out of that, it says it groans. Verse 3, if being so, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan in the body, being burdened. What is that? That's your spirit within your body, seeing all the chaos in the world. Not just in your life, but in the world. And it groans. Because it knows there's something on the other side. Being burdened, not that we would be clothed, but be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up with life. Now he that is, hath wrought for us the selfsame thing as God, who hath also given unto us the earnest of the same spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. He's talking about the rapture and death. He's like, I'm confident and willing to leave this body. He's like, I know this is not the end. He said, I'm confident and willing to leave this. But watch what happens when you leave it. Wherefore, we labor that whether present, meaning in the body or out of the body, we may be accepted of him. Verse 10, for we, I've got this underline, for we must all, not just Kevin, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone, how many of you know everyone means everyone? This is in your future. Everyone. This is in my future. That everyone may receive the things done in their body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Everyone will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a one-off in Scripture. It's repeated. In Romans, check this out. They'll put it up in Romans 14 and verse 10. But why do you judge a brother, or why do you set at naught another brother? For we shall all stand before, all we, 
we being Christians even, he's writing to Christians, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Keeps going here in verse number 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess to God. Verse 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. Keeps going here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. I'd encourage you to, to look at these scriptures when you get home. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, I, as a wise master builder, have laid a foundation and built thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. Go to verse 11, then we'll come back to verse 10. For other foundation can no man lay except that which is Jesus Christ. Now go back to verse 10 if you can. Notice, every person in here, if you've accepted Jesus, has built a life upon that foundation. Everybody. Uh, Now, I pray if you haven't built that foundation online, Highland Colony here at Lakeland, that you do. That you make a decision to build your life upon Jesus because all other ground is sinking sand. So that, that foundation is laid when you accept Jesus. You, you receive Jesus, foundation for life is laid, each person builds their own. You build a life upon that foundation. You build a house, you build a family, uh, you build a relationship, you build a career, you build a future, you make plans, and you build upon this foundation. And Paul says, take heed. Pay attention how you build. Why? He keeps going here. Take heed how he builds thereon, for there's no other foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus, verse 12. Now, if any man built upon his foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, keeps going, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day What day? Judgment day. We'll declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work and see what it was. Keeps going here. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he will receive a reward. The prize of my high calling. John said, when I stand before the Lord, I want my full reward. That means there could be a partial one or none. You'll receive a reward. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet as so by fire. He's writing to believers here. He's saying what you do in this earth has no determinants on whether or not you'll be saved. You will be saved. Aren't you thankful for that? If you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. He saves you. But there will be a moment when you stand before Jesus that he'll wipe every tear away from your eyes. Why? Because on judgment day, you get to see what life you could have lived. On that day, and it's in my future and it's in yours, there will be a day where we see the life we built upon the foundation of Jesus. And if it was the stuff that was my high calling, the will of the Lord, it'll abide forever. And I'll get rewarded for it in this life, but I'll be rewarded for it in the next. But if it meant nothing, it'll all burn. 
Can I, can I help you with something? You know this building. As beautiful as our buildings are, we've got some of the best buildings. It'll all burn. Highland Colony will burn. Lakeland will burn. All this nice stuff, it'll all burn. Your watch will burn. Your clothes will burn. Your house will burn. It'll all burn. At the end of it all, it all burns. It all burns. It all burns. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. Every present you get your kids for Christmas, it'll all burn. It's all going to burn. Everybody's like, okay, we get it. We get it, Pastor Joel. It'll burn. But what it did for the kingdom... It'll last forever. You know what my concern is? Our American dream that gets us to live for 80 years. Instead of a kingdom dream that reminds us we'll live forever. What are we living for? The deceitfulness of riches, the pride of life, lust of all these other things. Nothing wrong with a watch, but what did it do for the kingdom? You give a watch away and plant it in someone's life. Maybe it shows them the love of God. You, you come. I was asking the Lord. I'm like, well, Lord, so many people are not missionary evangelists, Kevin Cooley, to India. Like, they're looking at their life, and it's like, but what am I? And I think the Lord would tell me to tell you that, number one, you can see who you are when you fellowship with him. You'll never know what your high calling is until you leave some stuff behind and press into God. But you press into God, those who are near here, and God will start showing you. My wife is a lover of the Lord. The Lord showed her my kids. That's what she wants. She pours her life into the kids. But it's not just to bless them and to cook for them and to take them to school. It's to establish the kingdom of God in them. Their grades will pass away. Their ACT scores will pass away. Little trophies they win at soccer, it'll pass away. The little medals that hang on their door and their cat, it'll pass away. But the kingdom of God that she establishes in them, it'll abide forever. It'll abide forever. I said, it'll abide forever. What are we living for? Another soccer game, another soccer match, another base. What are we living for? It'll all fade, it'll all burn. But the will of God in them, the will of God in them, it'll last forever. It'll last forever. I was was talking to the Lord the other day, and the Lord said, I want you to sit down with your son tonight. He said, you've been thinking a lot about what you'll give him for Christmas. He said, that's good. It's good to bless your things with kids for Christmas, that kind of thing, gifts and Christmas. But he said, sit down with him. We sat down and we were watching this movie. The Lord said, I want you to look at him. I want you to tell him this. I looked at him and I said, Benjamin. He looked up at me. I said, did you know you're the only child the Lord ever told me to have? I said, the other two he didn't have to tell me to have because we had them anyway. God doesn't have to tell you to do something you're already doing. So we had the first two. But then after that, we were debating about whether if we wanted to have a third one. We got busy building ministry and churches and all those types of things. And so me and my wife, we were unsure if we wanted a third Um, because life was just so busy that we didn't want to do an injustice to our other two and that kind of thing. And I was praying one day, and the Lord said, I want you to have a third. And I told him that. I said, we were debating, but the Lord wanted you here. He said, you'll have a boy. You're to name him Benjamin. I said, do you know what Benjamin means? He said, question mark. That's his way of being cute, of like, I have no idea. Question mark. 
I'm like, Benjamin means son of my right hand. I said, you're my right hand man. The spirit of God is on you. You're going to do great things for his kingdom. What are we living for? We live for a house. God lives for the, the kingdom that's established in people in the house. Me and my wife lived in the same house for 14 years. God would put people on our hearts to come and live with us. The Lord showed me. He's like, it's those types of things. He's like, you didn't see the prayers those people prayed, the healing that came into those people while they were there. It wasn't just about a house or just about Christmas or just about a meal. All that passes away. It's all gone. But the kingdom of God that got established in them, you'll have that reward forever in heaven. Your life was meant for somebody. It was meant for the kingdom of God. Your life was not meant to just build a home. It wasn't just meant to build a business. It wasn't just meant to retire with a lot of money. It wasn't just meant to live long with good health. You've got all that health. You've got all those resources. You've got all those talents, anointings, and giftings. You've got all your background. You've got all your stories. You've got all your platforms. You've got all of your experiences for somebody. You were apprehended to apprehend something. There's something you're supposed to do for Jesus. Something you're supposed to build for him. A book you're supposed to write for him. A painting you're supposed to paint for him. A business you're to start for him. A church you're supposed to build for him. You've been called by God to apprehend something. And I'm telling you, there'll be no joy outside of that high calling. I don't care how much money you make. You see people make a lot of money, still miserable. I don't care how many people know your name. You see celebrities, still miserable. I don't care how big the business gets. You see CEOs, still miserable. I don't care how educated you get. You can get all the PhDs and letters by your name you want and still be addicted to alcohol because something is missing in your life. There's a groaning because the spirit is at war with the flesh. Oh, but when you get those two lined up, there's a joy that's unspeakable and it's filled with glory. And you see the reward of God, not only in this life, but the next to come. And you know what's going to be the most glorious moment? When you step forward, when God calls your name and you give an account for what you built in this life and you showed him you didn't just build something that'll burn and be gone with the fire but you built something that was gold you built something that was precious you built something that changed the soul strengthened the life you were obedient to your assignment even if it wasn't to preach a message but just be faithful to Naomi Ruth just stayed faithful to Naomi, had a child in the lineage of Jesus. Maybe your assignment's Naomi, just a person. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a mission in India. Maybe it's to build a church. Maybe it's to write a book. But whenever you find it, that's when you get happy. It's not work anymore. It's joy. It's a calling. And I just sense so big that calling is calling all of us. 
all of us to a place of surrender, all of us to a place of obedience, all of us to just evaluate what am I building, what am I building. I'll stand before the Lord one day and give an account for what I built. He laid the foundation of Jesus. What did I build upon that foundation? What in the world did I live for? But I've got good news for you. If you've wasted your life, Moses wasted 40 years outside of his calling. For the majority part of Paul's adult life, he kicked against pricks running from his calling. How many of you know, though, that as long as you got breath in your lungs, the gifts and the callings of God are beyond repentance, and God in his mercy and God in his grace can pick you up out of the ashes and give you life again? Just surrender. He doesn't need your perfection. So with every head bowed, every eye closed today, all over this place, I'll turn it over to Pastor Ryan at Highland Colony. I'll turn it over to John and Chase on the online campus. But here for us at Lakeland, if you're here and you want to surrender to Jesus, you want Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. You want to surrender to him in a fresh and a new way. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm not going to make anyone look at you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? All over this place, hands going up all over the room. All over the room. Amazing, amazing. In the balcony, anybody up there? I see those hands. God bless you. Anybody else? Just a moment of surrender. Now, I'd like everybody in the room to just say this prayer with me. Let's mean it today. I know we do this a lot, but let's mean it today. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to your will, not your will, Lord, or not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my life. Please, Lord, your will be done. I surrender my life, my imperfections, my weaknesses. I surrender, Lord, to you and your plan. Take my life, Lord, and use it for your glory. I'm not my mistakes. This is for somebody in this room, but everybody just say it. Just say this with me. Say, you're not finished with me. You're not finished with my life. You're not finished with my family. You're not finished with me. And Father, today, I dedicate my life to you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And I thank you, Father. You build upon this foundation a life that'll last forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.